It's time for the Hokie Hour on the Tim Donnelly Show on the WRAD Talk Network. Now from the Mockadoo Studio, here's Tim Donnelly. Welcome back into the Tim Donnelly Show here on the Talk of the New River Valley, WRAD. 103.5 and 14.60 a.m. We are live inside the Mockadoo studio. Myself and producer Lobro. Guests and callers join us on the Baker Team Hotline. That's 540-639-4900. The Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900. Now, this is Hokie Hour, so we are going to have a, a full run of, of Hokie content. But first, we have to make sure you're covered for every conversation, not just Hokies. Uh, whatever conversation pops up, wherever you are, if sports are involved, you'll have a nugget, uh, your two cents, your ten cents, however much money you want to throw into the conversation, you've got enough content. This is Got You Covered. No one has time to catch all the games. Don't worry. Tim will get you covered. And there is some, well, maybe it's not bad news, but it's at least the absence of good news for the Hokies as Quincy Roche, one of the top defensive end transfer targets on the market, a player that Virginia Tech was very much interested in and very much put the effort into recruiting. He has decided not only not to come to Blacksburg, but he has decided to take his talents to South Beach where he will be playing for the Miami Hurricanes. He goes from one of the best players in the American Athletic Conference to Shirley, a difference maker in the ACC, but now he is not playing for the Hokies. He is playing against them, so they will have to find a way to game plan against a new talent right here in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Joining him in Miami, just to add insult to injury, will be to Eric King, who was the quarterback for Houston a season ago before sitting out after the fourth game, protecting his red shirt and giving himself the opportunity to grad transfer. He will also be in Miami, filling a hole that they had uh, the size of the moon in their roster this past season. Miami's going to be an interesting team this upcoming year with Manny Diaz going once again to the transfer market. But as I've said time and time and time again, Again, Virginia Tech may not be able to out-recruit some of these national programs, but what they can do and what they can control is their ability to out-develop them. A lot of talent on the roster for the Hokies. If they all take the next step, Quincy Roche into Eric King will be long afterthoughts when it comes to the Hokies. Uh, Speaking of the Atlantic Coast Conference, Clemson somehow convinced Travis Etienne to stay I don't know what dreams Dabo is selling these kids in the, the the meetings that he has with them, but Travis Etienne would have been one of the best running backs in the NFL draft class. Instead, he will be probably the best, singular, the best running back returning to college football. Very, very surprising at a position like running back. As you know, if you listen to the show, I'm the lead activist for players' rights. I want players to do what they think is best for them. So ETN has the right to come back to school. I just hope that he properly weighed the business decision aspect of this, knowing that running backs are a ticking time bomb. Every carry you put on your body is one less opportunity you have to to get paid for that carry in the NFL. If I were him, I would have been on my way to the pros. ACC basketball, uh, there's there's been a prevailing thought that, that that ACC basketball is down, right? Parody, right? They're missing Zion, right? They, they don't have the top-end talent, especially with Cole Anthony still not yet playing for North Carolina. How about this, everybody? The latest AP poll, 
Florida State is fifth. Louisville is sixth. Duke is eighth. That means if the NCAA tournament were to start right now and the committee mimicked the AP poll, there would be three Atlanta Coast Conference teams in the first or second seed. That's pretty darn good, and and I don't know if we should quite run around yelling the sky is falling on ACC basketball quite yet. Uh, Let's go ahead and look at uh, Conor McGregor. Haven't had an opportunity to talk about his win over the weekend. Took him 40 seconds to knock out Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, But again, it it, it is a dramatic absence of conversation about his out-of-the-octagon life. Still, two open investigations in Ireland into sexual abuse uh, allegations against Conor McGregor. Still, no talk about the arrest for assaulting an old man in a bar, the the, uh, charges for throwing a dolly at a tour bus. He's not the best dude, but he might be the best fighter pound for pound in the world. Lakers last night got blown out by the Celtics by 32 points, I believe it was, 139-107. Uh, Anthony Davis played just 23 minutes. LeBron James played just 29 minutes. The Lakers knew early on in this one that they didn't have it. They pulled everything uh, and saved their resources. Interesting enough, I'm going to go ahead and say it this way. The Celtics, Derek Henry, the Lakers, they put Enos Cantor into the game and let him go old school, right? Offensive rebounding, points in the paint, which is interesting because the Lakers are the biggest team in the country, uh, biggest team in the league, right? They're big. They have LeBron James. They have Anthony Davis. They have JaVale McGee. They have Dwight Howard. But the interesting part is the advantage of those big guys is they can guard smaller players. They can guard on the perimeter. They can guard modern NBA. What we learned last night is they might have a hard time guarding traditional NBA. Uh, And then other news in the NBA to round things out. Speaking of Zion Williamson not being in the ACC, it does appear as if tomorrow he will make his first appearance in the NBA for the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, I don't know if expectations could be any higher for this guy. I don't think he could possibly exceed them. All we've seen are two-minute clips of him dunking on everybody on Instagram and YouTube, and, and I expect him to not do that in the NBA. That is got you covered. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm having a fantastic moment right now. You you know when uh, you've watched, say, like seven seasons of a TV show and it's awesome and it's great and you've binged it and you meet a friend who hadn't even heard of it and you're they're like, hey, I need a show to watch. And you get to tell them, oh, I'm so jealous of you because you have this whole great experience ahead of you and it's already in my rearview mirror. Right now, Lobro just told me that he has not seen the footage of Andy Reid as a 13-year-old in punt, pass, and kick competition. If you've ever watched a game that Andy Reid coached, you've seen the clip because they play it on every single one. Uh, You guys know what I'm talking about. He looks like he's about a a 40-year-old truck driver amongst amongst a bunch of actual 12- and 13-year-olds, and he crow hops into one and slings the football, and he's in a like a Rams helmet, and it's ridiculous. Lobro is watching it right now for the first time and, and watching the surprise on his face. Wait, ho- hold on a second. How old are these other kids? They're all – he's the same age as the other kids. That is, it's a punt, pass, and kick competition for like 13-year-olds. They're all 13, 12 and 13. He is 13 as well. Yes. <laughs> that makes no sense. If you haven't seen it, then I'm jealous of you again because you know that awesome moment is ahead of you. 
But like, uh, no offense, but he's got like a dad bod for like. Yeah, he looks like a forty-year-old truck driver, like, and he's thirteen. He looks exactly like he does right now. I wouldn't be surprised if you took off that youth extra-large helmet that he would have like the same mustache that he has <laughs> right now. He's he's Andy Reid, man. He's going for his first Super Bowl in two in two weeks. That if you is... haven't seen it, just Google Andy Reid punt, pass, and kick. It'll pop up, and and you will have the moment that Lobro is having right now of just pure wonderment. I don't, I don't understand it. No one does. I have no idea. No one does. <laughs> he he was born looking like an offensive coordinator. <laughs> he was born looking like uh, he, he was. He's been in the league and been chewing dip and staying up late eating unhealthy food for 20 years. I don't know how that works at all. Like, I'm I'm blown away by that. It's it's Andy Reid. Um, right now, though, we do have to move along. It's time for the top four. It's Top Tuesdays with Tim Donnelly. Here's your top four. Top four, you know what it is. Anytime we're in Hokie Hour and we're doing top four, we're counting down reasons for optimism for Hokies teams today. Uh, obviously, with it being the heart of basketball season, we're talking top four reasons for optimism for the Hokie basketball team, number four. They have not been abused too bad inside. Preseason, it was... Uh, to me, a glaring hole in the roster. They had John Ogiaco, who's 6'10", and they had no one else who was even near that height. And John Ogiaco might have been the most raw talent on their team. So who knew how much they were going to be able to depend on him. Um, but somehow they've managed to not get beat up too bad. Not saying big guys haven't had success against them. Right, Sar for Wake Forest uh, pops into mind. A, a few big guys uh, early in the season, but for the most part, they've been able to avoid what I believe is a sinkhole in their in, in, in their roster. So I, you have to give credit to the guys that are that are banging. Tyrese Radford, six feet one inches tall, is helping a ton rebounding the basketball. PJ Horn is doing the best he can, being a six foot five inch. Center. Uh, Landers Nolly mixing it up down low as well, particularly on the defensive end. The double teams, Wabisa Beatty being a, a, a traffic general out there. It is, it is a huge reason for optimism that up to now, nobody has put the blueprint out on just pounding it down low and watching the Hokies crumble from within. Uh, if they can keep that up, if they can keep that secret, their little secret, and not uh, you know let the, the, their opponents figure out, that they don't have anyone with any kind of height, um, it, it could be a you know could be a, a swindle for the Hokies. Number three, freshman Uters. I, I if you listen to the show, you know that when I put extra syllables on things, that means I'm serious about it. Someone's an athlete, that means they play sports. If someone's an athlete, that means they're reckless. That means they run a 4-2, uh, right? If someone's a shooter, that means, all right, yeah, you can kick it out to them. They can knock it down. P.J. Horn's a shooter, right? He's, he, he, he's a player that stretches the floor from his position, and he can knock down a jumper. Jalen Cohn is a shooter. 
Nahim Aline is a shooter. Landers Nali is a shooter. You're putting extra syllables all over the place for the Hokies and that freshman class. And that is a huge advantage. It is an equalizer. It is an ability for the Hokies to find a way to, to come out uh, of a game against teams that might have more speed, more size, more strength, but, but the Hokies have more points because they have this, this conglomerate of young guys that can just straight knock down shots. It's like Mike Young, when he took over the job, looked around and said, all right, we're not going to be able to put together a complete class. We're going to have to stick this together with chewing gum and duct tape, scotch tape even. What are we doing here, guys? And, uh, and then they said, well, if we have to choose one thing, let's choose shooters. And they went to uh, you know, every high school coach they knew and said, just give me someone that will knock down threes. We'll deal with the rest later. And that's what they have. The freshman shooters, huge reasons for optimism. Number two, we got to change up, ladies and gentlemen. First time in a long time. Landers Nolly comes in number two. Landers Nolly comes in number two. He's been number one since the first game of the season, since he scored 30 points against Clemson to open the season. And, and here's, why, here's why I'm lowering him to number two. It's nothing he did. Right? It's not like I watched that Syracuse game and he took a bad shot to end the game and, and I went, oh gosh, we got to knock him down. It's not what I did. It's just that the number one jumped, uh, you know, continued to rise. Uh, Landers Nolly's a great player. He's 6'7". He can shoot it. He can handle it. He can pass it. Uh, he's got a ton of expectations and responsibilities on his shoulders, and he's living up to it. Uh, I still believe he's the best player on the team, but he's the number two reason for optimism. Number one. Mike Young. He He's impressing me more and more each day. And the, the crazy part is he impressed me in the Syracuse game and the post-game Syracuse press conference, even though his team was very obviously not prepared for a game-winning shot with seven seconds left. Do you realize how impressive you have to be to make me look at a, a team who had a chance to win the game and came out of a timeout? Went into a timeout? with seven seconds left, came out and, and, and flubbed it, and I'm sitting here saying the coach is the most impressive, most optimistic thing. Mike Young, you're working wonders. Keep doing you. Let's take a break. When we come back, uh, two transfers, Quincy Roche to Eric King going to Miami. What does that mean for the Hokies? Stick around. Tim Donnelly is the lead activist for players' rights. He's a fan of logic and reason, except when it comes to Tiger Woods. Hey, it's... Uh... More of the Tim Donnelly Show is coming your way next on WRAD. Welcome back into the Tim Donnelly Show. Talking the New River Valley, WRAD. Quincy Roche to Eric King on their way to Miami. Quincy Roche, one of the biggest defensive end transfers on the market. To Eric King, probably the biggest quarterback transfer on the market uh, once Jamie Newman ended up at Georgia. Here's the deal. King hurts because Miami needed him, right? If, if you're just if you're just looking at ACC coastal action, Miami desperately needed a quarterback. To Eric King uh, is definitely good enough to step in and be the expected starter for the Hurricanes from day one. Roche hurts because Virginia Tech needed and wanted him as well, right? Uh, a a a big time pass rush presence would have gone 
a long way towards making Justin Hamilton's job in his first year as defensive coordinator for the Hokies a lot easier. So, so that, I mean, both of them are a bit of a bit of a bummer, right? You you wish that that Eric King would have went to somewhere in the Pac-12, and you wish that that Quincy Roche would have seen the benefit of of playing for coaches like like Tier Lincoln Tap on the defensive line in Virginia Tech, and and you, but it doesn't always happen your way. Life's tough. Get a helmet, right? Life life's unfair. I believe it was the Rolling Stones who said you can't always get what you want. I mean, I guess a lot of people probably say that, but. <laughs> Well, they sung it. It's stuck in my head, so they get the credit for it. Here's the thing with Virginia Tech. Teams like Miami have a national brand, more so than Virginia Tech. Not saying Virginia Tech isn't a national brand, but Miami is a, a more recognizable national brand. The U, uh, the, the bad boys of the, the 80s and 90s. I'm not sure Virginia Tech would want Miami's national brand, right, because I think Virginia Tech has more pride in their their blue collar, hardworking, lunch pail reputation. But Miami's always going to be able to recruit, right? Miami right now is is a mess. They are a absolute mess of a program coming off a not great season. But they will still be able to convince players to come to to Coral Gables because those guys remember. Um, Warren Sapp, or they've heard of Warren Sapp, Michael Irvin, Ray Lewis, uh, Ed Reed, uh, uh, Sean Taylor, uh, Buchanan, uh, The Rock, um, right? Dwayne Johnson, right? They, they've heard of all of these guys. Willis McGahee, Andre Johnson, Santana Moss, Clinton Portis, Frank Gore. They, they've heard of all of these guys. So Miami will always be able to recruit. Virginia Tech, to beat Miami in the Coastal consistently, has to do what they've done, which is outdevelop Miami, which is bring in players who are less heralded and make them into better players. That's what they have to do. And, and there's really no other way around it. And, and I wish it were easier. I wish there were some magic beans I could sell you that would suddenly make every player want to come play for Virginia Tech. But, but that's not how it goes. Some will pick Miami because they're distracted by the turnover chain. Some will pick Miami because they're distracted by South Beach. Beach. Some will, will pick Miami because they're distracted by the U. Virginia Tech simply has to develop their players and go beat those guys. It's it's there's nothing more di- nothing more complicated about it, right? I don't think Virginia Tech wants Miami's national brand, so they simply have to beat Miami's national brand. That reputation is not one that Virginia Tech wants, so they have to go beat that national brand. Let's take a break. When we come back, time for our favorite segment of Hokie Hour. Time for hashtag Hokies next. Welcome back in. Tim Donnelly Show. Talk of the New River Valley, WRAD Radio Network, 101.7-103.5-1460 AM. I'm Tim Donnelly alongside producer Lobro. Here inside the Makadu studio, guests and callers join us on the Baker 
team hotline 540-639-4900. Hashtag Hokies. It's time for Hashtag Hokies where we go deep into the underbelly of the internet where everyone can hide behind a funny uh, username and and a picture or sometimes even no picture at all. And they can say whatever they want to whoever they want, whenever they want. The people without the pictures are the ones you got to trust the least. That is true. Um, Although I did learn that I can't say anything to Richard Sherman. (laughs) Richard Sherman blocked me uh, because I made fun of him lying about shaking hands about Baker Mayfield. He said that Baker Mayfield sniffed him on the pregame handshake, and then video came out later of them shaking hands pregame, and I made a joke about it, and he blocked me. I still think we need to have that social experiment where you just create an account and just see how far you can take it before he blocks you. I think he must have a person. I was thinking about this. He must have someone on his payroll who he has just search his name and block everyone that says something negative about him. Must be. Because why else in the world would he care what Tim Donnelly in Blacksburg, Virginia is saying? I mean, he probably doesn't care what, you know, you know. I can't, I can't tweet at Kentucky him. Kentucky is saying either, I can't you know? read his tweets. I had to log into to the show's Twitter account to read his tweets because he was in a Twitter war with Darrell Revis. Huh. I had to log into a different account just to read what he was saying because he blocked me. So anyway, that's petty. May, maybe, yeah, I, I think it's petty as well. But maybe to to him, I am the dark side of the internet. I'm the underbelly. I'm the Twitterverse, the scum of the scum. This so is, on his hashtag segment, this is what he's talking exactly. about. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and his hashtag Richard Sherman because he doesn't talk about the team. He talks about himself. Um, I should just become like a really anti-Richard Sherman guy. I should just start tweeting all kinds of angry things and mean things and pointing out every mistake he makes, breaking down film of when he gets beat because he won't see it. So who cares? We we, we could start a movement, the I Hate Richard Sherman Club. Blocked by Richard Sherman Club. Um, Either way, the hashtag Hokies, we go onto Twitter. We find the tweets we want to talk about, drag them into the light, have conversations about them right here on the Tim Donnelly Show, Uh, including at... Beamer Garage says, what team does at Hokies football mirror the most in college football? What team could be the brother of Virginia Tech football? I thought this was an interesting conversation, right? Because not only when, when we say this, not only is, um, not only is, is it asking, you know, hey, what team is, is similar to Virginia Tech? It's also kind of asking, what are Virginia Tech's realistic expectations, right? If, if we say uh, the team that best mirrors Virginia Tech is uh, LSU, then we're saying Virginia Tech should be going for a national championship. If we say the, the team that best mirrors Virginia Tech is Wake Forest, well, I'm not saying these, I'm just saying if, then we should be, all right, then Virginia Tech should be happy with the top half of the ACC finish. Like Wake Forest would be happy with the top half of the ACC finish. So it's like a balancing act. It's it it's you have to find a team that fits with what Virginia Tech is doing, and then you can more objectively say, all right, what is that program's expectations, and say that's probably where Virginia Tech should be as well. And in the comments, the answers to that tweet, and as well as my brain, the very first name that popped up was Wisconsin. Wisconsin, they're a team with a a very obvious identity 
right? Wisconsin, you think running game, you think big offensive linemen, you think running backs, right? Virginia Tech has a very obvious identity, lunch pail defense, right? Secondary, DBU. They've had a couple players in their history that were larger than life, right? The Ron Danes for Wisconsin, the Michael Vicks for Virginia Tech. And also, neither of these teams have won a national championship. But they've been right there knocking on the door, right? They've been as close as you can get without. They've been as close as you can get without getting there. And I think both have expectations that they're going to break through that ceiling at some point in time, but it's proven to be more difficult than any of them thought. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you this. Anytime you think your expectations are getting, you're you're running away with your imagination, look at Wisconsin and think, what are their expectations? What should their fans be happy with? And then reverse it and say, that's probably what we should be happy with as well. I think those two programs are very, very similar. Very, very similar. Next hashtag Hokies comes from at Thomas. I believe it's two underscores Morris. He says, 2019 VT basketball team would have run the ACC this year, missed it by one year, hashtag Hokies. This is one of my favorite phenomenons in sports, right? One of my favorite phenomenon in sports and happens in every fan base is looking at teams from your past and remembering them better than they are. Looking at teams from your past and remembering them as better than they are. Right, saying last year's Virginia Tech team would run this season's ACC is is because you had fun watching last year's team and you've equated the the memories of last year to this year. Right, Virginia Tech was never a top ten team last year, not at any point in the year. They were a top fifteen team for a hot second. Never a top ten team. The ACC this year has three teams in the top eight. In the top eight. Virginia Tech basketball last season was tremendous fun, right? They were three seniors and a redshirt junior that knew how to play, ended up in the Sweet 16, right? Ended up top 15, ended up knocking off some very good teams, ended up galvanizing the NRV. But, however... I don't know if we can expect them to be a top five team in any year, be a top four team in any year, being a top eight team in any year. And and honestly, they'd probably be like two games better, three games maybe better than the team is this year playing with all freshmen. That's I know it's a tough pill to swallow because we all love that team from a season ago so much, but but no. <laughs> no. Uh, next hashtag and final hashtag Hokies comes from at Evan G. Watkins 247, who was reporting on a pro football focus list they put out that listed Christian Derisaw, starting left tackle for the Hokies. This is what they said. Christian Derisaw considered the ACC's top returning O-lineman. 100% true. Pro football focus is not blinded by, by media bias, right? They are as close as possible to turning football into ones and zeros like a computer. 
They are as close as possible towards turning football into the matrix. You know, in, in the matrix when those numbers just fall out of the sky and they're green and it's digital and it looks like a digital clock that's gone crazy. Right. They're as close as turning football into that. And 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 they look at um, how many pressures given up, how many pancakes, what the player that they're blocking is. And Christian Derisaw is the top ACC returning offensive lineman based on numbers. Not based on, you know, some old scout uh, watching game film and saying, oh, this guy, he's got a, he's got fluid hips and he, he can, you know, he's so tough he can melt eyeballs. It's like, what does that even mean? He's got a motor on him that's been running on some diesel. What are you saying? When you look at the numbers, Christian Derisaw is the top returning offensive lineman in the Atlantic Coast Conference, and that is what I call a building block, ladies and gentlemen. Build your offense around that. Your blind side is protected. Left side off tackle is good. Now build off of that. Let's take a break. When we come back, talk a little hokey basketball uh, as they're in the meat of their ACC schedule. Stick around. He's Delaware's best holder. That's hilarious. It's not meant to be funny. It's meant to be devastating. The Tim Donnelly Show will be right back on WRAD. Tim Donnelly Show continuing right here on a Tuesday morning, 749. Uh, do want to remind everybody you can catch the show live on the TuneIn app. Uh, or on WRADradio.com. We encourage you to do so if you have to step away from your car, your radio, wherever you listen. Uh, the TuneIn app or WRADradio.com. You can catch the show live as it's happening, as quickly as you can hear it on the radio. Uh, you can also catch the podcast uh, shortly after each hour it is posted. Uh, everywhere podcasts can be found, including Apple Podcasts. If you do go Apple Podcasts route, uh, please rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate all of that. With that being said, let's jump into Hokie basketball. Um, I understand that I was I was a little harsh on the final possession of Syracuse. I don't feel like it was an unwarranted harshness, um, but but I do feel like I was a little harsh, and I and I do understand that some people want to give this team a bit more leeway due to their youth, right? And 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 I agree to an extent. I don't completely agree. Don't think you've swayed me completely. Don't think you've gotten me to, to jump ship completely. But what I will say is, is yes, Landers Nolly is a redshirt freshman. Tyrese Radford is a redshirt freshman. Cone, Aline, Couture, Ojiako are all true freshmen. Yes, Wilkins is a sophomore. Right? I understand how much youth is being depended upon did I say Aline? Aline's a true freshman as well. Yes, I understand um, how much youth is being depended upon. But the thing is, their games have translated exceptionally well to, to college basketball, right? Jalen Cohn was a knockdown shooter and an unbelievable scorer in high school, Walkertown, North Carolina, right? Hunter Couture was a floor general. Tyrese Radford led the state of Louisiana in rebounding as a 6-1 player. And now he's in college and he is out rebounding 6-foot 10-inch centers on the other team as a 6-1 player. 
their games have translated exceptionally well to the college basketball arena. They're not learning new games. They're playing their games. The the opposition is better. Speed of the game might be a bit faster, but their adjustment period has to be knocked off by the fact that things just kind of worked. And credit Mike Young for putting them in situations where their, their high school games have legs, right? Where their high school games work. They are right now tied for fifth in the Atlantic Coast Conference. If they win tomorrow against North Carolina, they will be tied with North Carolina State for fourth in the Atlantic Coast Conference. So many of their goals are still ahead of them. And goals that, quite honestly, I didn't think were attainable a couple months ago are still ahead of them. Still very much a possibility. Still realistic because of the fact that these freshmen haven't been playing like freshmen and because of the fact that these freshmen haven't been treated like freshmen, so I'm not going to treat them like freshmen. If if Mike Young is going to put the ball in the hands of two freshmen on the final possession of an ACC game with the opportunity to win on the line like he did, Wabissa Beattie did not touch the ball. P.J. Horn did not touch the ball. Isaiah Wilkins did not touch the ball. They're all upperclassmen. If he puts the ball in the hands of the freshmen in a veteran situation, I'm going to treat them like veterans. If they're not being treated like freshmen within the program, I'm not going to treat them like freshmen outside the program. Now, now with that being said, flush it. Right, Adam Thielen does a, a kind of, I guess it might be sophomoric a bit, but but he he does a a literal physical flushing. If you watched a couple of weeks ago, um, I believe it was their their wild card playoff game for the Vikings. Early in the game, he fumbled. As he was running to the sideline, he literally takes two fingers and acts like he's flushing a a toilet handle. And that's what he does to mentally tell himself to flush that play, get it out, put it in the rearview mirror, and move forward. My coach used to, maybe one of my best coaches, his name was Gary Aquina, youth, uh, this is JV, or freshman year football. He used to tell me, he goes, what do you do when a bad play happens? I was like, what do you mean? He goes, you need something, because I was someone that harped on negative plays. Right, if I threw a bad pass, I was come on, come on, Tim. He was like, "What do you do to say, all right, that play's done, next play?" I was like, "I don't. I, what do you mean? I don't have anything like that." He said, "All right, here's what you do: clap your hands." I said, "He was every time you do that, that play's over, next play." And if you watch me all the way up through college, all the way up through some of the biggest games I played in in my career, if I threw a bad pass, what you would immediately see is. Hands smack together, eyes go to the sideline to get the next play. Right? And you have to learn those things. You need a mentor to tell you those things. You need a coach to let you into that world of the mental side of the game. If I'm if I'm Virginia Tech, if I were on Virginia Tech, clap my hands. 
flush the toilet, right? Whatever it is that you trigger to go, that one's in the past, let's move forward, that's what they have to do because Syracuse is done. Saturday's game is over. They didn't win. I thought they should have. They didn't. Wednesday's game is next on the list, and you can't let Saturday beat you twice, right? Because that's the only thing that could possibly happen uh, from stewing on it. You make a bad play, you make a bad pass, you you have a bad game. Don't let that one event become two events. Clap your hands, flush it away, move on. Now that's something that is very veteran that I think this freshman team could could benefit from. Hokie basketball, tied for fifth in the ACC. Fourth place could be as soon as tomorrow. How awesome is that. We're going to go ahead and take a break here at the top of the hour. When we come back, the top five list, and it's going to be kind of an interesting one, and I can tell you right now, you're going to want to stick around for number one. That's next right here, Tim Donnelly Show. Back after this.